Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Are we jumping? We've jumped. Take your take your last warm up sip. Uh, I know. I'm not at the bottom of my cup yet. We uh, so this it's um, it's weird. It's really weird to be talking about movies in the morning. <laughs> uh, yes, it's weird, but it feels so right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we got a um, we got an iTunes comment, and we got it a, a while ago, but I don't think we've read it. Have we read this one? That, oh, I, that think says, there, I think there were two or so that we hadn't read yet. Well, the the one that I was looking at, which apparently one out of one listener found helpful, uh, actually said that our conversations are thoughtful and funny and, wait for it, rambling <laughs> in a good way. Uh, yes, excellent. <laughs> I, that is, I don't know if there's a higher praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's very kind of them to say, and they gave us a five star review, and that's what I want to say. People out there, good morning. If you're listening to the show, do us a favor: head over to iTunes, log in, do a search for movies we like. Eventually, you'll find it, and uh, <laughs> leave us that uh, that five star review. It really helps. And these comments are uh, kind comments, even comments about how uh, how we are rambling are helpful. Yes, very kind. We love all those. We comments. deeply appreciate that. Deeply, and we love it. rambling. Well, and iTunes has screwed us up. iTunes has really has changed everything. It used to be that you could search for Rash Pixel and see all the Rash Pixel shows. That is gone. You can't do that anymore. They've just this last week they've monkeyed everything up. They totally pooped in my lemonade, <laughs> and uh, and so now you can't just search for, you know, the the network. And when you search for movies we like without those those reviews, without those clicks. Um, it doesn't surface, and and it used to, um, you know, we we'd get we used to come up because we were brand new. We used to come up in the in the top six, and now we've fallen to like number eight. So we don't come up in that very first thing. So we need we need those those um, those reviews to to help us uh, stay up there and help other people discover the show. Definitely. So. That is very helpful to do that. We're also on uh, Stitcher Smart Radio, smart way to do uh, online radio. And, and um, you know, if you, like Andy Nelson, are a fan of online radio, you need to be using Stitcher. Is that still working for you? It is. I love it. Stitcher's fantastic. And they actually, they're, they're good with their recommendations, too. I found some new shows from the ones they recommend to me. That's awesome. I uh, I'm still uh, very much a Downcast user. I love Downcast, but just yesterday, Apple launched the podcast app. They've separated podcasts and made it its own app that you can now download. So if you are an iPhone or iOS user and you like to listen to your podcast while watching an animated reel-to-reel tape on your device, hmm. you can do that now too. And it just plugs into the iTunes things, but it's a separate app for managing podcasts that that 
honestly seems a little half-baked to me, but it's another way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we definitely appreciate that. Please, uh, please join and share, share, share the, uh, share the love. Uh, that's, that's all I've got except for, uh, where can people find you? It's so weird doing this. I'm doing this all out of order. They well, it, yeah, that's because okay. it's morning. We still, we still love you. Uh, people can find me at Soda Creek Film on Twitter or on Facebook at Soda Creek Film, and uh, at uh, Rash Pixel. Dot TV. Dot TV. And I'm at Pete Wright on the Twitter, and uh, you can find me at rashpixel.tv, or uh, you can find all of our shows, uh, the latest episodes of all of our shows on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rashpixel, or on Google+. Plus. Just do a search for rashpixel, and you'll find the the page there if you are a Google Plus user. And don't forget to check out our our late-night Lonely Hearts Movies We Like Movie Clutch, our very first hangout we did um, two weeks ago with the uh, lovely... Uh, and talented uh, guests, Chad Stoops and, uh, and Mike Evans. Mike Evans. It was a good conversation. What fun do those hangouts? I can't wait for another big movie to come out because I want to do that again. Yeah, I know. I think we'll have a have, have something big to talk about in July. Indeed. So, what are we what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about up in the air. And we're not talking about the 1940s uh, Howard Brotherton up in the air. No, no. We're continuing our Jason Reitman series and talking about uh, up in the air, the 2009 George Clooney film. George Clooney and, and Sam Elliott. This was a Sam Elliott vehicle. <laughs> That's right. So to speak. Sam, so maybe it's a Sam Elliott series. This is the Sam Elliott Sam series. Elliott. Exactly. This is the Surly Old Man series. Uh so, uh, what do we uh, what do we like about this movie? This, you know, this is a really great film. Uh, it it's just a, a fascinating look um, at kind of our times, our the modern times, and how our society is run by these uh, not run, but how are it, these these companies out there and all these corporations that are hit by, you know, hard times with the economy or are downsizing and firing people. And we have this this man who goes out and essentially is a hired gun for these companies to fire their employees for them because they're too chicken to do it themselves. Uh, and he himself is has created this lifestyle where he's essentially downsized everything out of his own life to a point that, you know, he's doing these, uh, these, these presentations at hotels and, and eventually at a Tony Robbins like conference where it's all about, you know, emptying out your backpack and getting everything, getting rid of everything in your life, being, uh, you know, free to and unburdened as it were. And, uh, you know, it's a really fascinating look at, at uh, the modern uh, mentality that, that uh, people had with, with um, our economy and how to handle things. And uh, at the same time, love and relationships and, and a meaningful existence. This movie is interesting. I, I think when you – last week we did Thank You for Smoking. Mm-hmm. And, and that movie, we, you know, we talk, it, it, there are some – really striking parallels 
striking and strikingly obvious, right? First of all, you have this main character uh, in Aaron Eckhart and George Clooney mm-hmm. uh, that are both really charming dudes. Exactly. Very charming characters. They are they are characters, both of whom you you are drawn to love in some way, even though you do not like them. Right. Because of what they do. Right. They do their jobs not great. It, it's a you know promoting the the cigarette industry and and firing people. It's not something that you're naturally drawn to love, but the characters are so charming you have to love them, in in some way. Yeah. But thank you for smoking ended up being a movie that was not about smoking at all. Right. The the his job ended up being sort of secondary to the lessons that were learned in the film. Right. This movie, his job is really central to the lessons we learn in the film. Oh, hundred percent. Which, which I think is a, is a, it, it sort of turns that model on its ear because we are learning through his lessons, not the lessons specifically that are learned by the characters in orbit of him. Well, I, I, well, I think actually in this film, what's interesting is we're really learning from everybody. Well, they're different. Film. They're different lessons, it's, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the central arc really of of Thank You for Smoking ends up being the the one where we learn from from the lessons taught by his child. Yeah, and and. and this movie, uh, Natalie Keener has a lesson to learn. Uh, Vera Farmiga, how do you even say it? Farmiga, 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 Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. 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 Yeah. I, pre- I prefer Farmiga. <laughs> I and I, I hear she does too. <laughs> but I'm only gonna, when you say, I'm going to call her. I'm going to call her later and confirm that. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, but but there, his. You know this this movie ends up being so much about loyalty, and his job is so much about defiling the loyalty of others, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Yeah, and that's heart, an interesting. It's way to heartbreaking. Put it, yeah. yeah, but it, what's so interesting about that, right? It, it, I don't know. I'm gonna, this is going to be. This is where I'm rambling. So. Bear with me, yeah. but this movie, there's a lot going on in this movie. So th- the opening sequences of the movie, and I think this is, this is uh, the, the movie is from a, um, just editorially as an exercise in efficiency. The, um, this is another one of those films where the amount of story that they tell in very short clips uh, is wonderful. I mean, watching him... Um, prepare and disassemble and reassemble his kit as he's going through security in the airport um, mm-hmm. is is just an art, a work of art. Um, and so this movie is so much about celebrating that efficiency and the collection of of miles and the collection of cards uh, of affinity programs um, and uh, all of these things are bought loyalties, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the reason he is collecting miles is because he's spending so much money, his company is spending so much money on his behalf uh, to allow him to collect those miles. It's bought loyalty. He is he is an example of, of purchased loyalty. And all of the people that he is defiling everywhere he's, he goes, um, is he, he's defiling earned loyalty. And I think yeah. that is the cultural uh, message. These are people who have, in, in their own words, have spent years devoted to this company and this mission and he is letting them go they don't even have the courtesy to do it themselves they have to hire it out and and, and 
you know, set ablaze what they have devoted of their hearts and souls, not purchased. Yeah. No, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a, a great way to put it. It's a very, uh, um, honest portrayal of, of, uh, what is happening to people and this, these loyalties that are getting crushed. It, it's very, um, it, it makes for a much more raw story and you and you hear this honest uh telling from from real people who had actually been fired um, well talk in, about in that because economy. i think that's i think that's a really interesting way they did that how do you how do you talk about what they did and and what you think about how it worked out i i think what jason reitman did in the casting process of this he he really wanted to make it feel real and he felt that by casting a bunch of actors um, to play all of these people getting fired, that in some sense he was uh, not. Uh, it just it it wasn't um, paying enough respect to all the people who really actually had gotten fired, and he felt that you know he'd never be able to capture the true, honest emotions that these people had felt when they were let go from their companies during this uh, most recent economic downturn that we had. Uh, obviously, in the film, there are a few actors who are um, in the film um, playing some people for the bigger roles like Zach Galifianakis and, and J.K. Simmons, but everybody else is a real person. And Jason Reitman, what he did, they, they shot the bulk of this film in St. Louis. They did a casting call and... They made it seem like they were going to be doing a documentary about the economy and and all of this, and they they saw people who had been let go from their companies to talk about you know what it's done to them and all of this stuff, and then they found the people who you know just had the had really strong emotions and who could really you know, bring that to the table. And they ended up casting those people as all the people getting fired in this film and really let those people, you know, essentially what he said to them is if you could, you know, say what you really wanted to say when you were let go, that's what we want to hear. And so what these people are saying, it's really the word, their own words. And I think what it does is it brings this level of, um, additional honesty to the film because we're hearing from real people really affected by the economy and it it really makes it uh um very strong i feel i have read some reviews where um people have said that they felt it um was using these people and using their situations to uh in the benefit of the film you know i don't buy that i think um you know these people knew what was happening well that's that's the part i was unclear on did they know because what i what i had read was that he set them up as a documentary that they were going to film a documentary and and uh, but it was not clear to me at what point if ever they were let they were made aware that this was for a feature film well the reason that he he pitched it as a documentary is because you know it's a george clooney movie and he didn't want these people feeling like they were coming in and, and doing this because they were going to be part of, you know, George Clooney or they were going to get to meet him or create these, these, um, these false performances because they felt they were acting now rather than doing documentary work. Right? Well, and because specifically he didn't want actors. 
Right, exactly. You, you tell people it's a casting call, but your actors show up. Yeah. So, I mean, he did tell them. It wasn't in the casting process. But, you know, once they had made their selects as far as which ones they wanted to use, obviously they talked to those people and told them more about it. And those people, you know, were happy to be a part of it. And I, I don't think that it was a false... Um, uh, you know, a false uh, a f- casting process in that, you know, these people knew they were going to be in a project and they did find out what that project was and they very easily could have said, you know what, that sounds great, but I don't feel like my story is appropriate for your film. You know, they could have, they could have said that if they just didn't feel it was right. And, and these people... You know, it's getting their story out there. And I, regardless of whether it's in a documentary or if it's in up in the air, it's uh, it's an opportunity for these people to talk about what they went through and how it's changed their lives. And I think there's no reason that that honesty has changed because of the nature of what the end result is. Hmm. I don't think so. Well, I, I, first of all, I think if, if I was recently laid off and I was informed that uh, I would be able to tell my story and do it in a feature film for scale, uh, mm-hmm. I would be okay with that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not saying what these other people were going through, but I, I, I think there is something about getting any job that is paid in a time when you when you need it is is probably pretty good. But I think one of the one of the things that 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 sort of, um, well that 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 you're saying there is that their individual message then is uh, is sort of at the core of of the dramatic arc of the film. Uh, and so, is it you know is is their message that important to the film, or is it ancillary to the to the story of the film? I think it's 100% important to the story. This is a story, like you were saying, about loyalties and, and betrayals. And, and uh, these people, uh, we're looking at the perspective of this story from um, both sides of that issue, of, of how the problems of, of downsizing are affecting people we're looking at that objectively and subjectively and you know subjectively through ryan bingham and his journey through the course of the film um but objectively also we're looking at it from outside at these people that he's firing to see from his perspective of how this happens and what it means to him which is nothing it's his job Right. But we're also getting a very real and raw look at what it means to these people and how hard it is to go through. And I think it's an important thing in a film like this. I, I feel like it's it's almost almost essential to have that in it because it really this is a story about people getting fired and mm-hmm. without real stories of people getting fired. I mean, we could cast it all with Zach Galifianakis's and JK Simmons and other people, but we're not going to ever really feel like it was something that really happened to somebody. Right. And well, it, it, to a certain extent, it, it diminishes it a little bit. It's it, the, the, 
the the gentleman with the lip quiver mm -hmm. is uh is possibly the best performance in the film uh you know oh, and I, it, it's yeah. it's really moving when when you watch him him um when you watch him tell his his sort of emotional story and the way it comes around at the end mm -hmm. uh, it it's a funny way this movie comes together because we're introduced to these people at the beginning and they're talking about their their rage and their feeling of betrayal and then um we we watch the film you know, we get to see the film and we see all these actors kind of going about their business and demonstrating the sense of loyalty and demonstrating, you know, what it means to defile that loyalty. And then at the end, we see these characters come back around saying, you know, how they were able to get through it. And yeah. in a sense, they are the, the punchline to this, you know, hour and 40 minute whatever joke. Um, and it, it, it brings it all back to center. And we realize that... Um, you, you know that there the the lesson to be learned here is that it doesn't really matter what your job is it doesn't really matter where you put your time during the day you know there are there are people that are you know we are people of people we are people of mm -hmm. networks we are people of family and and that is what makes us stronger i i wonder you know again back to thank you for smoking where we saw you know Aaron Eckhart's character at the end, and I I made this comment that you know he was a character that you didn't actually see learn, um, or, or you know that his lesson, the lesson you wanted to, him to learn, may not have been the lesson that he ended up learning. Mm -hmm. And and at the end of this movie, you you feel sort of as as charming as George Clooney's character is, as much as you end up loving him on some level, um, maybe even a, a you know having sort of pity for him. Um, the the result ends up being something that you know he's back on a plane and and that sense you you want so much for him to be redeemed in some way um but for him does that necessarily mean that that redemption isn't on a plane well exactly i think this is a story where we're watching unlike thank you for smoking where i don't feel our protagonist is the character who changes in the film this is a story where ryan bingham George Clooney's character does change over the course of the film. You know, he learns from Natalie about uh, what a relationship means, right? She's very, in a certain extent, naive as to what relationships are. But through that, he ends up seeing through to it and, and feeling that connection, particularly because he is um, having this kind of, you know, whimsical fling with um, Alex, uh, Vera Farmiga's character all over the country, wherever they happen to stop. And you see that connection developing particularly and very beautifully at Ryan's sister's wedding. Mm -hmm. um, only, oh, and so he, he actually does change and start realizing that having an empty backpack is not very meaningful. And, you know, you get that pretty blatantly when he walks out of that presentation that he's giving about his empty backpack lifestyle. And he realizes that he wants to have a full backpack. And so he's a character who actually does make this change from living this lifestyle of empty backpack equals a great life to I want a full backpack only to have that desire taken away from him, right? He finally wants to be grounded. He wants to be in a relationship and 
he makes a change in his life and ends up without it because Alex, he finds out, you know, spoiler alert, is married and has a happy life uh, of her own. And, uh, and her, and his boss decides to cancel this program that was going to keep him at home. And he ends up back in the air, exactly what he initially wanted. But now at the, by the end of the film, it's not what he wants. It's a really interesting story because it turns it into a personal tragedy for him. Okay. All right. I, I walked away with it with a, a little bit of a different take. And I like, I, I like the way you put it better than the way I saw it. Uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, he is, he then experiences that set, that, that, that same betrayal, right? Where mm-hmm. he is, uh, you know, on a very personal level where he, where that earned loyalty, uh, turns out to have been a misperception, right? Mm-hmm. He, he expected that he would have some earned loyalty with Alex. Mm-hmm she betrayed him by demonstrating that she had been lying to him and having a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he ends up going back into this space, the only space that he knew as comfortable, which he had been selling us the, the virtues of, uh, you know, his home being the airport, being air travel, being at the Admiral's Club throughout the entire film. Uh, and, and then he ends up back, you know, on the wingtip. And... So, you know, I, I had a hard time not feeling a little bit like he, you know, he learned that lesson and then was betrayed and through that betrayal ended up reverting back to these old sort of nasty habits where we get to watch Alex go forth and learn nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and watch Natalie go forth and, you, you know, she had interestingly a little bit more complex kind of a, um, character discovery, uh, and and so you know who's who's left to learn anything but us certainly not jason bateman <laughs> certainly not certainly not it it so, actually is a very interesting ending because there are multiple ways to interpret it and i agree that that's one way you can interpret it i've also um heard and i think in my head i can buy this one as well where natalie said you know, because this is the, he's collecting miles, you know, right. no intention of doing anything other than just, you know, collect him. As he says, the the number is the goal. Right. It's not actually doing something with them until he gets uh, on the phone and wants to transfer well, a million miles to his sister and brother. Right. And that's that's because he's kind of, you know, that's after um, the Alex incident. And he's he's learned and he's started making that change and wants to have those relationships and 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 finding ways to make those connections. But that's something else that another interpretation of the ending is, you know, because because Natalie says, you know, if I had that many miles, I would just go to an airport, pick a place and go. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy to interpret that when he's sitting there, standing there, excuse me, in front of the the board, looking at all the the flights, that that's exactly what he's doing. He's now decided, you know what, I'm just going to go. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do something. And I am going to have this uh, this adventure, and mm-hmm. that is his growth. Now, there's a shot at the end that's kind of a um, a pretty deliberate close up that that Jason Reitman does, and of George Clooney as he's standing there, we see his hand let go of let his go. 
yeah. let go of his suitcase. So, you know, it's I'm not sure if he's he's letting go of his backpack because of what his backpack has always represented and and he wants those connections now, not an empty backpack. Uh, and that's how I interpreted it, which is why I see it the way that I see it, which is much more tragic than, I guess, the other two options. So, well, you know, I don't I actually not sure that I would I would characterize your view as tragic of it. I, I it actually makes me it's it's uh, even more of a redemption story. It's that, you know, uh, tragic insofar as he's back on the plane. But that he's not, you know, he's absolutely not the the guy that he was before, or he has taken enough from his experiences over the past months um, to have a new understanding about himself and about the his place in the world and well, his position yeah. of power in the world. Well, and you're right in that. I agree that he does make that change, and, and good for him. I I I I now see him going places and. And finding those connections that he's up to this point been shunning. However, it's not shown in the film. And so within the context of the film itself, I think it's it's a little more of a tragedy because yeah. he's kind of left, you know, stuck back on the road when he now just wants to be, you know, in in a comfortable homemaker situation with Alex or something. Well, you know? and, and you get to the to the the central complication of this discussion. These things are not shown. They're not illustrated in the film. In in mm -hmm in a way that is, I don't know, uh, obvious. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and I have never read the book, right? Um, I, I have the book. I, I fell in love with the movie and, and downloaded the book, uh, and I have not read it. I didn't fall in love with it enough, apparently. <laughs> uh, and so I'm not sure what that, what the sort of transition from book to film, uh, through the adaptation uh, process looked like. Um, but, I, I wonder what your take is on that question. Is it is it okay that uh, Reitman decided not to illustrate in in a more obvious fashion the the um, the growth and and transformation of this character? You know, I think so. I because you know because we're seeing this story from so many points of view. You know, we've got Ryan Bingham's point of view, and he ends up having this this. Um, this catharsis that leads him to making this change that, you know, like I said, ends up being kind of tragic because he ends up back on the road. But at the same time, we're also getting that viewpoint from all of these people who've been fired that we've been seeing getting fired over the course of the film and, and hearing their heartbreak and hearing how hard it is for them and how are they going to say this to their children and all this sort of stuff, only to see them at the end talking about what got them through this was their relationships, was their family, was their friends, was all the people in their life, all the connections that matter. And while Ryan's story ends up a little more on the tragic side, we're still seeing um, a positive change. And we're seeing seeing the results of what having that sort of relationship means. And we do see it from Ryan, or we do see that change in Ryan. And yes, eventually he may get to a point where he does meet somebody and he does settle down and he changes careers and, and who knows where the story goes from here, but at least he's made a start, right? At least he's made that change. And I mean, even just 
representative in the miles he gives to his sister and her new husband and the um the letter that he writes the job I, I was letter just that gonna say yeah. i was just gonna say the letter i think the letter goes back to that uh, also that sort of uh new awareness of ryan bingham's sense of power in the universe that that mm-hmm. he can use his collections for good yeah. uh and his influence for good uh and and not for that sort of more self um uh, that self-centered kind of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talk about a little bit about the visuals of the film. Um, uh, you know, I think there, there, there's what's happening on the ground and there's what's happening in the air. And, and I wonder if you have any thoughts on how uh, Reitman sort of put that together. Well, and I would, I would go so far as to say, it's not just what's on the ground and what's on the air, but what's on the ground and what's in the traveling. Yeah. Right. Yep. Cause I think what, is an amazing uh, bit of this film is how sexy traveling is and how amazingly uh, Jason Reitman paired with his team, his, you know, cinematographer, Eric Stielberg and uh, his production design team and everybody, how just sexy and beautiful they make this idea of George Clooney's lifestyle Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this film. I mean, I wanted to go do this job. I mean, I want it just like, you know, this, this, you know, zip zap airport lifestyle um, where you're just flying, you have no cares in the world, you know, you're, and you're, you're exceptionally good at flying. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, it's you know, to only follow the Asians, which <laughs> is like, so horrible, it's, but it's, but, you never, I don't know about that. You only fly, but you never follow a family. I'm a family. You don't follow me. You don't <laughs> want to be behind me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's true for both of us. Stay away. Stay away from us yeah. if you want to get through TFA. See that stroller? Go to a Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, and, and but all of that is done just so beautifully, where it makes you realize how appealing this can be, and and. He sells it so well. His little his little monologue at the beginning about it is just, man, do I love this? You know, it's it's a it's a great, amazing way that they they paint it, and I think mm-hmm. it's 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 stunning. And I, I um, I think it's very intentional. And and I should also you know point out the editing. Um, Dana Glauberman did the editing on this, and really cut it together. Um, in a short amount of time, I understand, uh, short short post-production time on this film, um, just cut it together in a way that was just rock solid, and it just, all of that stuff is gorgeous. Then you get to the realities of the all of the firing and all of these places where people are getting laid off. And it's just, you you see these realities, you see these, these you know, uh, quite often they're in gloomy environments, right? They go mm-hmm. to Detroit, they go to Milwaukee, and you just see these gray, snowy landscapes that just don't feel welcoming. And, uh, you know, it feels worn, it feels tired, it feels like it's already been through the ringer. Right. And then you go inside and you see these people, you see these empty, empty, like vast offices that are empty, except, you know, random chairs rolling around. That's, and... That was the one that was really touching to me is when oh. there are just no chairs anymore, no no cubicles anymore. Yeah. And the, the secretary's just sitting there at her desk. You can tell she's been crying and 
Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. uh, when you it's know fun. he's there, they're there to fire everyone else. Yeah, yeah. There's no one left to go. So it it's a it's a very smart way to paint these two worlds and to get us a, a give us a, a visual cue as to how all of this ties together. Uh, very good job. You know, it's and it's actually it it goes all the way back to the script. There's a line in the script. Uh, which is a fantastic script, and it's available uh, many places online, so I definitely recommend reading it. But this is early on when Ryan is is going through Let me just read this little excerpt here. Ryan skips the long lines and steps directly into the Advantage Executive Platinum line. Glorious close-up of Ryan's Advantage Executive Platinum card sliding through the automated machine. Were it any sexier, we'd hear a moan. Maybe we even do. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the script. I mean, I don't know if that sort of language was in the book, but man, does that not paint a picture of how attractive this lifestyle is? Absolutely. Well, oh. it, there is something when when he walks through um the 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 beauty of of the sort of the the images that are created are is is the melding of uh Clooney uh, Clooney's own performance in the airports, right? Whenever we see him moving, he's either he's swiping, he's zipping, or he's taking the longest, most liberated strides mm -hmm. of anyone you have seen not in an open field. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he you you see the sense of ownership of the airport that comes together in in his his place in the machine of the airport. And that, that is the, the, the sort of, um, the, the perfect tableau that we get of, of the visuals in this airport, uh, that he is as much a piece of it as the luggage, as the TSA machines, as the, you know, the, every bit of it. Uh, and as the lines, the lines that are constantly contrast with this sort of freedom that he experiences in, on the red carpet. Uh, and, and only once do we hear somebody actually grumble uh, mm -hmm. that he just gets to cut in line. And his response is to hand them a brochure and sell them the benefits of what exactly. he's done, which is perfect. I mean, it just, it feels perfect because you know what it feels like to be mad when somebody cuts. And this right. movie is a lot about cutting. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a lot about cutting <laughs> in this film. Um, yeah. I, I really, I, I love the in-air stuff. Yeah. Uh, and... The, there is, I think, a contrast between the in-air stuff at the beginning, which is, which has that that kind of Soderbergh kind of Ocean's Eleven sort of uh, throwback. It's very vintage, mm -hmm. uh, the way that is put together. You know, with the the way they they partition the screens and they they have lots of motions and Mondrian shapes of the the video, um, uh, various video elements. But they're all looking down, with the exception of the very first. You know, the credits open with some of the crispest clouds uh, that you can see, right? And then we start yeah. looking down, and everything is looking down Yeah. from then on out. We're looking at the cities that we're about to invade right? and, and hurt in some way uh, because of his role. And it goes through the movie looking down, looking down, looking down until the very end. And this gets back to what you were saying a little bit before, earlier about this actually being something of a, you know, it's a tragedy and a redemption story. Mm -hmm. And and we're left with his final monologue looking out. Yeah. And and it's again, it, the clouds aren't so crisp anymore. They're kind of fuzzy and foggy. And you are left with this feeling of 
you know, maybe this feels a little bit more optimistic than I thought. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the damage that, that, you know, his role insinuates on, on the world isn't, uh, is, is one that he's, he's going to be able to figure out. Yeah. I love the way he used the, the, the visuals there, the, the, just the act of air travel, the verb of air travel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is beautifully done. And actually you, uh, you, I think, um, really pinned that really nicely. I think that uh, is exactly how, uh, Jason Reitman was intending it. And it's, uh, it's done so nicely. And that last shot with that last little speech, uh, about the blinking light on the end of the wing. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just looking at this blanket of clouds and there's no connection anymore to the land. I mean, it's, it's a very beautiful image and, uh, it's, um, yeah, I think it could be, he's now looking past what his career is, right? He's no longer looking down at the people he's going to be taking out, but he's, you know, looking at finding another opportunity. Mm-hmm. That there is still journey ahead of him. Yeah. Even if he doesn't know what that journey is. Right. Obviously, he has left this film in a place where he's not happy anymore. He, you know, Alex, you know, really slammed things down on him with uh, the realities of, of their lifestyle. And I mean, it's exactly the lifestyle that they set up together. It's just he happened to change because of it. But, you know, he's very bluntly faced with the realities of what that lifestyle really means. And then now he's saying, you know what, I think maybe I do want something more. Uh, this movie was received well, critically. Very well. Very well, yeah. Uh, you want to uh, talk about awards? Didn't it, uh, win any Oscars. It, Nominated uh, a bunch, but uh, didn't, didn't walk home with any uh, little gold men. No, it, uh, but it got a good number of nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, it got Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay by uh, Jason Reitman and uh, Sheldon Turner, who actually was originally brought on to write the script before the Reitmans had purchased the rights to it. And um, Jason actually didn't write with Sheldon Turner. He wrote his own draft, and when the WGA doled out um, the credits. It was uh, the two of them who were credited, and I understand they're both very fine with that. <clears throat> um, and then it was nominated for Best um, Actor for George Clooney, Best uh, Actress for Vera Farmiga, and Best Supporting Actress for Anna Kendrick. Um, so uh, yeah, they did. They got some great nominations, and um, it unfortunately didn't uh, win any, which is sad, but it got a lot of other awards. I mean, it was named, um, I believe the Writers Guild gave them the Best Adapted Screenplay Award. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, it was it the um, National Board of Review won everything that it was nominated for? So including Best best Film of the Year. You know, while, while we're not on the subject of Vera Farmiga, Farmiga. Uh, <laughs> I hear her cooing when you say that. I'm, I'm, I, seriously, I watched this movie and, okay, so um, I, I see Clooney in this movie mm-hmm. and I can compare him to, you know, pretty much any other Clooney movie 
you know, and Aaron Eckhart, and there's sort of that char- charming debonair character, right? There's there's that leading man kind of character, and and he's I can parallel him with others. Mm-hmm. I I look at uh, Natalie Keener's character. I can I can parallel her with others. Uh, the, you know, I'm talking about actually, you know, their performances in this movie too. You know, and I I I can talk. I can Jason Bateman. You know, we can we 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 can parallel. Uh, his performance as the sort of the the anti-hero kind of representative of, of corporate you know greed mm-hmm. um, the way Vera Farmiga plays this character to me is addicting yeah I I have a hard time finding a, a parallel to her in film am I completely out of line am I just not thinking creatively enough well i it's the thing with um george clooney is he hasn't been paired with many uh women who have carried their weight as strongly as as vera farmiga does i think i I saw this i I saw this in a couple um reviews um where oddly enough two completely opposite reviews it was like uh new york times and the christian science monitor (laughs) i think they both said that not since out of sight paired with uh, Jennifer Lopez has George Clooney had a um, uh, a woman has he been paired with an actress that he's uh, that has really held up her own uh, with George Clooney and I think that's that's probably true because I mean I thought Jennifer Lopez was fantastic and out of sight she and was it, fantastic and that is a that's a movie we need to do I love that movie but definitely. but Jennifer Lopez power in that movie comes from a badge and a gun I, yeah, you know I, in, I think to a, i think to a to a very large extent i mean i think i think you know jenny from the block has her own yeah or from the bronx or wherever yeah she is. i think I, I think it was the block but it's block with only a c yeah. um, so <laughs> I, you know you know what i'm saying like like that's a different kind of power that 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 was a um uh you know the the police versus gangster kind of power relationship and the way vera plays this this power relationship is such a straight demonstration of strength mm-hmm. in the face of clooney's charm um, that that it's just magnetic, and I I watch those scenes with her, and I'm just I'm mesmerized by her performance of this character. I can't think of many characters like this that that are are played so strong. And I I wonder um, I, I wonder the level of intention behind. Well, I, obviously it was it was an intended performance, but it, it it's. Um, um, you know, most of the time you see these supporting actress characters, uh, they are ornaments, you know, they're, they're ornaments to the overall sort of dramatic arc of the, of the film. And I think she, right. the way she plays this, she takes such ownership of this, of this piece. I, I think it's, um, it's a real testament to letting her as an actress, uh, you know, really shine in this character. It was terrific. Definitely. I mean, it was, it was, uh, outstanding performance uh, from someone who hasn't been seen nearly enough nearly enough not enough yeah and and you know i i misspoke earlier when i said she was nominated for best actress it was actually best supporting actress which just goes to show how prevalent her role in the film seems to be you know i mean she probably has as much screen time as hannibal lecter who did you know, talk Anthony about an did ownership for best actor for that yes. not best supporting actor i i think that she very easily could have 
have been called the best uh, actress for this film rather than best supporting actress. But you're right. I mean, there's there's a real magnetism to her role, and it's so easy to fall in love with her. And you can see why why Ryan just falls head over heels yes. for her in this in this attitude that she has. It's just like it's this, you know. She's talking about you know their you know the Mile High Club and all the these the 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 cars that they have and rental car companies and she she speaks his language. I mean, she is as she says, she is him with with a vagina. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, <laughs> it's played so well. She's so winning in this film. I mean, it, going to comparisons, I feel like you'd almost have to go to someone like Lauren Bacall opposite Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. You know, Boy, I you've got to go back, don't you? Yeah. I yeah, I really think you do. I can't think of anyone in recent times who really has that that energy, that magnetism um and brings it to that level as she does in this film. It is. I mean she's it's it's amazing how how good she does. Yeah. Wow. She's not in, in enough stuff. Especially I'm, really I'm reading right now she's she... What is it talking about? The surrealist romantic comedy Henry's Crime with Keanu Reeves. Did that even come out? I haven't heard of that one before. Uh, is it a 2012 film? No, it was. They filmed it in 20, uh, 2009. Um, filming wrapped up in early 2010. Hmm. I don't know anything about this, but she was in. You know what? She was. She was in Source Code. Um, yeah, and, and The Departed. And The Departed. Oh, yeah. The Departed. Yeah. Great film. Definitely. Anyhow, uh, so she needs to be in more stuff. We like her a lot. We're going to do a spin-off show called Actresses We Like. <laughs> very short. It's very short. We're just going to be a top ten, and then it'll stop. <laughs> and that will be all. And that will be all. So, uh, so the movie did uh, very well. It came to critical acclaim. It did uh, well in the box office on a... Yeah, I mean, it it cost $30 million to make the film, and domestically it made about almost $84 million. Internationally, uh, almost about $83 million. So worldwide it made $166, almost $167 million. And then, you know, there's all the DVD sales and everything. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, made a pretty penny. You know, we, we didn't really talk about uh, Bateman. We didn't. He's great. Um, he was obviously a find from um, the previous Jason Reitman film, Juno. Um, and, you know, I really liked him in Juno. I thought he did a great job. Um, and uh, Jason obviously liked him and brought him on for this. I don't think, uh, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember Young Adult. I don't think Jason Reitman ended up in Young Adult. Um, J.K. Simmons, um, you know, Jason Reitman has said J.K. Simmons is kind of his good luck charm, and he's been in all of his films so far. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't think I can think of anyone else who's kind of been in all of them. But yeah, I mean, Jason Bateman's just fantastic. And it's it's such a different role for him, isn't it? It, it is. You know, well, I, you know, I wonder. It's a very different role played in, in a very f sort of familiar way. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's... He, it, what I love so much about Jason Bateman is I think he has capitalized on what makes him attractive right as a as an actor mm -hmm. and and as a performance and i think what he brings to to this is sort of the evil michael bluth 
<laughs> right. you know his character on um on arrested development which you know ranks as in certainly the top three of my favorite television shows of all time sure definitely uh he's uh and and i you know i i really like him for being that you know sort of the the restorative um the salve on the bluth family and here he is he's everything that is not that and yet you know that character is still in there uh, you know, with a beard and not a great one. <laughs> no, it's not. And an <laughs> office full of store-bought sports uh, memorabilia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's like all of those, uh, you know, autographed autographed balls and autographed pictures that you can just buy that you could buy by you know <laughs> you know in, in series number two hundred and fifty thousand out of ten million. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, it's a, it, it's a fantastic performance and I think he, he does a great job representing the cookie cutter nature of what so many of us think of as corporate America. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very easy for him to deliver lines at the, like at the beginning when he's talking to his team about, you know, how the economy's in, in a rut, the, the motor industry's falling apart, you know, all these industries, the housing industry's <laughs> in ruins. It's, it's our time. Yeah. <laughs> This is our time. <laughs> oh boy, it's uh, yeah, that's a it's a terrific performance, and and um, you know it's uh, it's easy not to talk about about him, but he plays a foil in this film uh, that really allows the others to work as well as they do. Yeah, it so. definitely does. Good movie. I'm glad we talked about this movie. This is kind of one of the unsung. Uh, films it's a it, it's in so many ways it's kind of a small film but there's a lot going on in this movie yeah there really is yeah. i mean i i think there's uh, to me this is this is a, an example of what a solid script and film can be it's just how well the characters are written how well they all are integrated into the story how well they interact with each other um how how you're seeing the story from so many different perspectives and they all are tied into the same message mm -hmm. and same theme and it really brings home a, a solid sense that by the time you're done watching this film and this this i think is exactly what we were talking about as as tragic as the story is for ryan bingham we also feel some hope because we've been listening to all these people who've been fired and we're getting a sense as to how they have found a change and yeah. we're seeing natalie and how she's she's decided to make this this change in her life and, and quit the company and go and go follow what her dream had been. And it's, it's just a beautiful film. It really is beautiful. And I know so many people watch this and go, God, that was a real downer because I mean, it's about the economy. Well, it's a, getting fired, all this stuff, but no, I think I, you know, I, I, I think I've even changed, uh, changed my tune on this film in some way, uh, just in our conversation. I mean, I, I, as much as I've always loved this movie, um, since the first time I saw it, I um, I don't think I appreciated the the redemption story uh, that is insinuated in the last act, uh, as well as you know through talking through it here. Uh, I I think there is a lot of redemption to be seen in this movie now, and I think that's a very powerful statement. The the other thing you just said that I I I think I don't think we can say too lightly is that this movie is is a great one as an example of a film with intention. Uh, it, it feels so much that Jason Reitman had uh, had gotten from the Kern book, at least, an interpretation of uh, of you know what he wanted to say about this these concepts of loyalty and betrayal, and every character's arc 
supports that message, that intention of dealing. We're going to deal with loyalty and betrayal. And we're going to deal with it on a very deeply personal level. We're going to deal with it in our uh, romantic relationships. We're going to deal with it in our the relationships we have with our businesses. We're going to deal with loyalty and betrayal, full stop. And this movie does it. There is nothing in here that complicates that message and, and that, that sort of singular focus through these multiple plot, line, uh, plot threads or, or dramatic threads. And I think that, that adds to the strength of the film and the strength of the structure of the storytelling. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story. It really is. Well done, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, this was good. Uh, what else do we do? We have anything else to add? Are we done? Uh, just one last little bit of trivia. If you oh, stay through yeah. the credits, there's a song that comes on, and it's actually on the soundtrack as well, called "Up in the Air," written by a guy named um, Kevin Rennick, who had never met Jason Reitman. Was not really anybody who's out there but he had recently been fired from his job and he had heard that jason reitman was making this movie so he wrote this song and he recorded it on a, like a tape or something and he has an introduction to jason reitman at the beginning of the recording saying jason this is kevin rennick i recently lost my job i, I wrote this song you know you're welcome to use it if you want to and he sent it to Jason and Jason thought it was um, somehow he actually did get into his hands and he thought it was such a great song and a great representation of the story that he put it in the credits and it's on the soundtrack. And it's it that just is one more little thing that just makes all of this feel so connected to the realities of, of everything going on in the world. And it's it's a great little song. So definitely check it out on the soundtrack if you don't have it or um, or stay through the end of the credits. What uh, just before we before we pass? Uh, what was the best line in the movie? Oh, oh my goodness! There's a lot. Well, you know that quote. I mean, he uh, Reitman, Jason Reitman said that his dad Ivan Reitman came up oh, with the best quote. line in the movie. He says, "You know that line." He came up with the best line in the movie. You know that line you applauded. My dad wrote that line. What was that line? I don't know. I honestly don't remember applauding a line. I don't remember. I don't know. I, I that must have been at one of the screenings or something. I'll bet it was J.K. Simmons. I'm sure <laughs> it was a J.K. Simmons line. His lines aren't that uh, that strong. I think it has to be a George Clooney line or a Vera Farmiga line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vera! She she had just had a baby like right before this, and uh, I. I think they had to bring in a uh, a double for her uh, for her nude scenes because she had literally like <laughs> just delivered a baby. That's too funny. Yeah. Uh, good film. All right, I'm officially done. If you if anybody who comes up with the best line in the movie, please tweet us. Tweet because I'd like us, to know it. Know. <laughs> we want to know. Yeah. I'd like to know the Ivan Reitman line from Up in the Air. That's all I got. Yeah. Good talk. No, we'll catch you. Uh, catch you next. Home. Catch you next week. Yeah. Indeed, you will. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I have tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. 
and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>